0: Zach Sims, Associate Pastor at Crossroads Aiken. Welcome to our sermon podcast. We are in a series entitled Exiles, which focuses on the book of 1 Peter. In this book, we learn that Christ does not rescue us from hardship. Rather, He is our hope in hardships. I hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jake Edwards. Today, we continue our study of 1 Peter, and we find ourselves actually in chapter 3. So what I'd like to do, even before we get started this morning, is this. Uh, I would like to ask you to begin, if you will, um, a self-survey. We're all probably pretty familiar with that, right? A self-survey. I, I, I would hope so. Uh, the truth of the matter is, I would, I would venture to say that, that those are very difficult. Because we have to look at ourselves in, uh, in complete honesty. We have to evaluate ourselves. Look um, deep into our hearts, our motives, our actions, um, and really be honest. So this morning we're going to take a self survey. I would like you to jot down in your sermon journals, uh, really quickly, uh, the what are the things that are bothering you? Do do you know what those are? What are the things that are that are grading you? They're, They're 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 annoying you. What are the things that are knocking you down? I wonder if you have those in the midst of your heart right now. Take a few moments and write those down, because we're going to come back to those here in a little bit. When I was in college, um, we had a, a group of friends that we all hung out with, right? This particular group of, of friends, they were, of course, the coolest friends. <laughs> Not really. I was a part of it, how could it, be? no, it's not, that's not true at all, but there, we had this group of friends that we all kind of hung around with together, and, and we, we just all got along, and it, it really became uh, neat because uh, we got to know each other's frustrations, and of course, being the good friends that we all were, we would then pick on those frustrations until one of them ignited, and then we all laughed because it was funny, that's what friends do to one another, right, <laughs> I'm a born button pusher, uh, Jen hates that about me because I do that to her as well. I push those buttons, and, and I, I shouldn't do that so much. But nonetheless, here we are in the cafeteria, this group of friends that we that we had and we hung around with in college, and one of our friends really hated when we stole his fries. So we all knew that, and we all stole his fries because we all push each other's buttons. So every time he'd turn his head, we'd snag a fry, right? And, and it got to be this thing that every time he would have a plate or a side of fries that We would all see how many fries that we could take from his plate while he was talking or wasn't looking or wasn't paying attention, and he would soon realize that he has no more fries and he hadn't eaten them all. One time we were picking his fries as we always did, and as he realized, because he saw one time out of the corner of his eye someone snagging his fry, he was so frustrated and so annoyed, he stood up in the middle of the cafeteria and screamed, stop eating my lunch! Like as loud as he could, and it got like really awkward really quick and then we all just kind of froze stared at each other and began laughing because we didn't know we didn't know what else to do the whole cafeteria was silent the the uh, food service uh, people like stopped what they were doing it was it was the most awkward thing of all time because we were eating his lunch and and, and I think the 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 point to this, I don't know how we come back from this, but this is what I'm this what I'm trying to tell you is I bet there are things in your life right now that are eating your lunch. Do you follow me? I bet there are things in your life right now that are eating your lunch, and I wonder what those things are. I wonder if you have something in your life, in your heart right now that is that is eating your lunch. Every time you turn your head, it takes a fry. Every time you turn around, this is the problem. Every time you're trying to accomplish, this goes on. I wonder in your life right now what's eating your lunch. And I want to encourage you this morning to write that down in your sermon journal. What is eating your lunch? Let's put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that here in a few minutes. Last week, Pastor Zach preached. If you were here, you know that. And One of the, uh, the, the truths of that morning was this. The living hope calls for your actions to change. Now, if you weren't here last week, feel free to write that down. If you were, you probably have that in your last week notes. Uh, the living hope calls for your actions to change. He read this verse, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You know, over the past several weeks, we've been talking about spiritual growth. And spiritual growth is a real thing. We as a people are called to grow in our spiritual journey and called to grow in our, in our walk and in, in our desire for Christ. So let's talk about this this morning. Spiritual growth being a choice. Here are four things we need to experience spiritual growth. Right? If we're going to be an individual who chooses to grow spiritually, these are four things that we need. Number one. We need a desire to be near God. It's just a desire in the midst of our heart that we, we, want, we long to be near God. This is, this is more than just a Sunday morning activity. This is more than just a, a, a posture of prayer in time of our greatest need. This is a true desire to be, uh, to be near God in all things, in all ways, in all opportunities. It's this internal longing to be close to Him. Now watch this, though. Being near God, or being near the Most Holy, exposes our most fleshly. We have to understand that, ladies and gentlemen. That as we long to be near God, that will expose our most fleshly that will expose those areas within us that, uh, that don't quite measure up to, to God's standard. It will, it will expose within us what doesn't measure up to the biblical direction that, that He has left for us. So as we are drawing near to God, it will expose within us those areas that He is calling for us to surrender off and to surrender away. Therefore, we see number two things that we need to experience spiritual growth, a desire to find our selfishness. Now, I'm going to tell you this. It's one thing to desire um, for God to take our selfishness. right? Who, who doesn't? right? It's another thing for us to live our life desiring to find where our selfishness is. It's another thing to say, hey, as I'm drawing near to God, I am going to physically look and self-evaluate. I'm physically going to monitor my life and recognize in me where selfishness constantly occurs. Because we do something with that. We surrender that over to God. And if we are choosing to be an individual who is uh, walking the journey of spiritual growth, we are an individual who seeks to root out of ourselves selfishness. Number three, things that uh, we need to experience spiritual growth is a desire to disciple, or excuse me, desire to discipline our lives into holy living. A desire to discipline our lives into holy living. In other words, the actions that we take move us from selfishness. To holiness. The actions that we take. If we desire holiness in the midst of our hearts, in the midst of our lives, that's going to come as a result of you, God's children, disciplining yourselves in the commands of God's word. You're going to make a mental, uh, a mental decision to do life differently. Hello? Hello? You're going to make a mental decision to do life differently. I'm not going to do it like this anymore. I'm going to do it like that. I'm going to discipline myself away from fleshly nature, and I'm going to move towards, toward God in His holiness. That was number three, that we need a desire to discipline our lives into holy living. And then number four, things that we need in order to experience spiritual growth, is a desire to take this journey while allowing others into the process. Now, maybe some of you were all good until we get to that point. This is the community portion of God's gospel that you, in your journey of moving from sin and selfishness into chasing after God in His holiness. While doing that alone, you are doing that outside of God's scriptural expectation for his believers. He has called you to take this journey, allowing others in that process. So know this, that if we are abiding by the word of God, we are not on an island all by ourselves. Scary? Absolutely. Can people take advantage of me that way? Absolutely. But because of other people's actions doesn't mean that we get the option, the right, nor the opportunity to neglect commands of the Word of God. Somehow, in some fashion, in all of those things that create within us hesitation, He calls us to have greater faith in who He is than the faith that we have in individuals to treat us properly in this journey. We are called as individuals to desire to take this journey, allowing others into the process. And if you are one who is just, just fine doing your own thing all alone without letting anyone in, we have got some serious soul-searching to do, as God's gospel calls us, to do it together. Spiritual truth for last week, you may have jotted down as well, is this. Our actions matter. This is going to set us up nicely as we move into today's content. Our actions matter. Pastor Zach read 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, which, by the way, is a verse that we cannot or must not overlook as children of God. We cannot and must not overlook as a children of God. You see, these are the things that spiritual growth will bring to your life. If we are going to be uh, children of God who pursue spiritual growth, make that decision to walk away today desiring spiritual growth, here's what it will bring to your life. Four marks recognizing spiritual growth. Number one, biblical engagement. Right? Because one cannot truly know God without knowing His Word. So we are going to be a people, as we grow and mature in our faith, we are going to be a people who will press deeper in. To his word as a rhythm of life that's going to be the real deal i can't know god without knowing his word number two evangelism and discipleship for and, and yes intentionally we put those two together evangelism and discipleship we don't get a a play one only card here we are to be a people who are a part of both evangelism and discipleship why because one cannot be of gospel mission unless they are on gospel mission. He calls us to be a part of His mission in His first calling of your soul. He is not rescuing you just for you, though He loves you enough to rescue only you. He calls and rescues you that you may proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to every man, woman, and child. God uses His children in the ministry to every man, woman, and child. The the third thing we see is giving generously. That is a mark of uh, recognizing spiritual growth. Why? Because one cannot truly know the sacrifice of God without sacrificially giving. We see that as a rhythm of life. Number four is serving. Because one... With, uh, one cannot understand the humility of Christ without a life of humility. And to serve one another shows humility to one another. Having said that, moving in today's content with this idea of what is eating your lunch. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. I want to read something again here in verse 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. So you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, me, ladies and gentlemen, will be blessed in our suffering for righteousness' sake. Track with me here. See, though we have temporary bodies, we all understand that? We're all here for a short time. There's no one here going to live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. We're only here for a short time. So though we have temporary bodies, our souls are eternal through Jesus Christ. Though we have temporary bodies, they should be viewed in light of eternity. Our life, though it may be temporary here on this earth, should be viewed in light of eternity. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 is actually making a reference to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. You can draw that comparison there or circle that later uh, so you can review that later on. But essentially what is being brought out here is the heart of verse 13 and 14 is saying this, which leads us to spiritual truth number one for the morning. It's saying this, our God will keep you in your need of Him. Again, verse Peter, or 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Our God will keep you. He will keep you. Our God will keep you in your need of Him. So let's begin to unpack or conceptually define keep you. There is a massive difference. Let's make a note of this. There's a massive difference between a way through and a way out of suffering. We need to understand that this morning. Because having the wrong definition will put us way off course and way off track. There's a major difference between a way through and a way out of suffering. You see, a health and wealth gospel will teach you that you will be given a way out. The fact of the matter is, all of Scripture shows that adversity is a part of the refining fire. God refines you uh, and me in this adversity. And he will give us a way through the adversity, not a way out of the adversity. Even pointing out here in verse 14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake. You will be blessed. Suffering is a part of the life that we live. And we will talk about that here in a few moments because it's a reflection of what Christ did on behalf of those who would come to know Him. He suffered. You see, just as God provided the way through for Christ in His suffering, not a way out, but a way through. Not a way out, but a way through. Just as God gave Christ the ability to, uh, to move through the suffering, so God will give you a way through your suffering. So can you have pain? Pain? Can you have sickness? Can you have heartache and grief? Absolutely. But know this, nothing in the midst of this pain, this suffering, this sickness, this heartache, nothing can wreck your soul. Hello? Nothing can wreck your soul. We will be blessed on the other side as He has given us strength and equipped us to move through the suffering. Nothing can wreck the soul of the one who is in verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, verse 12 said, and his ears are open to their prayer. Nothing or no one can wreck the person of verse 12. For God to keep you, what does that mean? What does that mean when we, when we learn and see that God will keep us? It means that He is to be the living hope for you in your adversity. He is to be the living hope for you in your adversity. Look at verse number 15. But in your hearts, honor. I want you to circle honor. Honor Christ, the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. We circled that word uh, honor. We're going to learn a little bit of Greek together today. That word honor in the Greek is hegiadzo. Hegiadzo. That word hegiadzo is a verb which means to render or acknowledge, to give a state of great respect. But see, connected to this Greek word hegiadzo is Preparation, right? We are to honor Hagiazo, Christ, the Lord as holy, always being what? Talk to me. Prepared. We are to recognize and give honor, always being prepared. We show honor in how we are connected to our preparedness. Preparedness. We show honor by how we are connected to our preparedness. If you were asked, what is the reason for the hope that is in you? What then is your reply? If you were asked, what is the reason for the hope that is within you? What then is your reply? Spiritual truth number two is simply this. Know your reason. Know your reason for the hope that is within you. And let me help in this process, if I may. The reason is not how it makes you feel. The reason that you have hope that is within you is not how it makes you feel. The reason is that God first loved us. You see, if I began to define the hope that is within me based on how it makes me feel, it teaches a gospel that is self-centric. The reason that I have a hope that is within me is not because of me and my feelings. It is because of who God is in the creation of the universe and how He has lavished His love upon me. It begins with God, not my feelings, my emotions, my needs, and my wants. Because let's be honest, that changes day in and day out. One way I feel one way, and the next way I'm hacked at the world. It changes day in and day out. So if, if, if I am thankful for the hope that I have because of the way it makes me feel, wait until tomorrow when I'm mad at the world. It's not because of me. It's not because of how I feel, it's because God first loved us. See, at times or at all times, Scripture's first priority is to reveal the nature and the character of God. I I hope that we grasp that if we grasp nothing else today. We have such a bad habit in our culture of of, uh, being selfish with every piece of content that we take. How does this apply to me? What do I do with this? How does this change me? We internalize everything for ourselves as though everything in this world is for ourselves. At all times, Scripture's very first priority is to reveal the nature and the character of God Himself. May we not be a people who fall into the trap of complacent and lazy Christianity. But instead... Would we be a people who seeks holiness, knowing and sharing the hope that is within us? For He loved us when we were unlovable. He acted in His love. But we are to do this with gentleness and respect. We see that in that passage, don't we? In gentleness and respect, we are to respond even... When we are persecuted for our faith, time out. If I'm going to be persecuted for what I say I believe, I am to respond and to reply in all ways and in all things with gentleness and respect, absolutely. Just as Christ did. Just as the readers of 1 Peter were uh, were responding They were being persecuted for their faith and challenged to respond in gentleness and with respect. You see, the way in which, press in here to this, the way in which you proclaim the hope that is in you greatly matters. It greatly matters. Because it is not a reflection of your frustration or a reflection of your belief. It is a reflection of God the Father who loved you while you were yet a sinner. Ah, the way we communicate God's gospel in every avenue, in, in, every, uh, in every post, right? in every argument, in every debate, it matters. It all matters. The we, have, we have two options here, really, in verse 16. We have an option that is the non-negotiable expectation. That's option number one. Really, in, in, in God's sight, this is the non-negotiable option. God only gives us one option. We have created a second in our disobedience. I'll be careful here. I'm not, not trying to ramrod anyone. We're just going to point it out here, right? This non-negotiable option is a life command. And that life command tells us that your good behavior, in verse 16, uh, that your good behavior during the proclamation of the hope will put those to shame who speak negatively against you. So the behavior that you have matters remember that uh, pastor zach last week in his spiritual truth talked about this that our actions matter and here's why it matters because in our good deeds in our good actions those who speak negatively against us will be put to shame but no note this you do not put those people to shame that is not your responsibility You don't put those who speak negatively against you and your faith to shame. That is not your role. Your role is to live your life with good deeds. The proof of your actions. The proof of your actions examined by onlookers puts them to shame. It's not a role or a mantle that you carry your responsibility in the gospel, in loving living the gospel of Jesus Christ is to produce good deeds in the proclaiming of in the proclaiming of God's good news. You don't put people to shame. You make sure that your life aligns with the word of God end of story. He he provides. The discipline of those who are bringing persecution. That is not for you. Spiritual growth is a choice. You see, the option of uh, the second option that we now bring to the table, that was God's non-negotiable option that, hey, as a believer of Jesus, this is how you are to live your life in good deeds as you proclaim. But the option that we bring to the table far too often in our selfishness or in our fleshly motives is our bad behavior. So if there's good behavior, then there's bad behavior. The option of our rebellion is that. It's our bad behavior in this process, which will ultimately put us to shame. If we are responding in any other way than according to God's Word, we create for us a difficult path to share the gospel. We create a difficult path for people to believe in God who is alive and at work in our hearts because we're not surrendering to Him and allowing God's love to be what they see. Why do we live like like or why do we live life like this? Because of verse number 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteousness for the unrighteousness, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. You see, our life, both by our voice and by our deeds, is to be a reflection of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for all of those who would come to love Him, to know Him, to obey Him. Our life is to be the reflection of Christ. And that is why we... Uh, as God's people produce good deeds even in the midst of persecution Christ was the one obviously who knew no sin and came and sacrificed himself that we may live that's why that's why we suffer we suffer because Christ suffered And we live our life to be the reflection of who Christ was to this earth. That is why suffering as Christ did is not something that we are rescued from, but we are given hope in. Do you follow me? We're not rescued from our suffering, because then we would no longer live a life that Christ lived to be the example to every man, woman, and child who may have an opportunity to come and meet Jesus one day. We live our life as believers not escaping suffering, but we live our life as believers having hope in the midst of our suffering, pointing to Jesus at all times. Our life both by voice and by deed, is to be a reflection of the sacrifice that Christ made for those who would come to love Him, to know Him, and to obey Him. I wonder, I just wonder, what are you and I truly willing to go through in order that we would have the opportunity to live life as Christ lived? That's where it gets difficult. Because then we suddenly have to think to ourselves, those things that are eating my lunch, come what may. For I know that God gives me hope in these things. I know that He doesn't rescue me from them, but He gives me hope in them that His name be made known. Why do... Bad things happen to good people. If God loved me so much, then why would I have to handle this? Because it's not about you. It's about you living the life that Christ lived, sacrifice, that God's name may be made known because you child of God, have been given hope in your suffering. You have been given hope. We now move forward in life with this, with this understanding. The hope that I have in the midst of what is eating my lunch is going to allow God to be made known. That is how we begin Leading our life from this point on, I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward, and they're going to help me walk through a time of uh, reflection or or commitment. Remember this: that at all times, Scripture's first priority is to reveal the nature and the character of God. Do you do you understand that this morning? It's not about the nature and the character of you. It's about the nature and the character of God. And the more we press into the nature and the character of God, the more He refines our life, and the more He he grips our heart, and the more He calls us uh, into His passions, the more He breaks our hearts with the things that break His heart. God desires for you to press in to Him this morning and Him alone. Let us not be a people who fall into the trap of making about us But would we see God? You see, at the center of our life, time and time again, we find not ourselves. Uh At the center of our very own life, we find not ourselves, but we find the actions of a loving, living God. let us find him this morning the actions of a loving and living god who is calling his children deeper into relationship with him press in to him understand the marks of one who is who is choosing spiritual growth as we listed them today press into him may you live this week centering yourself on recognizing the work god has done for you even in your hardship even in your suffering even in your heartache even in your grief recognize in the centering of yourself this week that God is at work in your life. He is there. He is alive and He is doing what God does. Would we recognize it this morning? Would we recognize that all of our hope can now be put in Jesus no matter what our life looks like in this season? That's where my hope is. All my hope is in the one who leads me through. Leads me through the persecution. Leads me through the hardship. He doesn't rescue us from, but He is our hope through what is eating